Welcome to The Teacher's Story. I'm Jackie Scully. This is a podcast to elevate teacher voice. In this program, you will hear teachers sharing their journey into this profession and their ideas for education. I'm kicking it off Teacher Appreciation Week, which starts May 2nd. This is about honest, vulnerable, inspiring storytelling. It's a time and a space for teachers to share their ideas for the future of education. Teachers are beautiful beings who give their heart and soul to their community. They're innovators, they're inspirational, not only to children, but to the people around them. And they deserve to share their voice. So welcome to The Teacher's Story. Enjoy. Hi, welcome to The Teacher's Story. This is Jackie Scully. And today we have Casey Tench with us. She's a former educator of 10 years, family and consumer sciences or life skills. She is now currently uh, running her own business called Rooting For You. And she's a holistic coach and mentor. And she's just such an inspiration. We had a wonderful conversation when we first met and she shares so much goodness out there on social media platforms. So I am so excited to have all of you listen to her story. So thank you, Casey, for being here. Thank you, Jackie. What a beautiful introduction. Um, I'm truly honored to be here and to have a conversation with you today. Thank you. I'm so excited. Uh, my first question for you, looking back at your background in teaching, is what was kind of the early inspiration to get into education? Oh, um, that's a great question. So when I was in high school, I was in early childhood education. Um, it was a class that was offered at my high school, and we were able to do an internship at the local elementary schools. Um, I loved the interaction of getting out into the community and working with other teachers. Um, but I knew that first graders were not in the cards for me. <laughs> and so one day I was back at my high school and I was talking to my teacher and I said, I think I just want to be you. Mm-hmm. And, and she was like, okay, I can help you do that. Um, her name was Miss Shatterly. She was fantastic. Um, but she helped me figure out what she studied in college and what I really wanted to major in. And that was family and consumer sciences, um, family and consumer sciences is in the realm of CTE. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into all the life skills classes. Um, there were only three schools in North Carolina that offered the major of family and consumer sciences. And so it really turned into an easy path for me to follow. Everything just really fell into place. Mm, I love that. Uh, Actually, when I was in high school, I really liked uh, my family and consumer science classes because it was so practical. And I felt like I could use this already as like a teenager and get ready to, you know, use that as a young adult. I've been at independent schools recently and we don't have any kind of um, classes like that. And I kind of miss it because I feel like they're so needed and they often don't get prioritized. Like people don't really think about um, how like needed they are and how practical they are. So I think that's just great work. So thank you for sharing that. What was was some of your early like teaching experiences? Like you can mention like the first school or the last school you were at, um, anything that was like aha moments, highlights, obviously, you know, when you're a new teacher, maybe some challenges or anything else to share. (laughs) Um, it, it was my second year. So I was brand new and I had no idea how to navigate it. Um, So the first nine years uh, that I was in education, I was at Salisbury High School, which is in a a pretty 
lower socioeconomic neighborhood, um, high needs population. Mm-hmm. And that was where, when I interviewed there, I walked through the hallways and I was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt it in my bones, the calling to be there. And I loved it. Mm-hmm. With that being said, <laughs> there was always some kind of excitement, um, going on. Yeah. And my second year, um, I was a beginning teacher. I was teaching a class called teen living mm-hmm. and we had a unit on sex education. Mm-hmm. And so, and I knew when I was in college, I did my internship and I knew that I would be teaching sex mm-hmm. uh, about sex. And in North Carolina, you know, it's abstinence only is what mm-hmm. we would teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could talk about contraceptives, but only on the perspective of this is how they don't work. And, mm. you know, let's choose abstinence. Mm. So, and this is at a public school. <laughs> yes. That's at a public school. Okay. So how did you feel teaching abstinence, um, especially in a public school? Cause I could see if it was like a religious school, but in a public school where, you know, sex education, particularly today. And I, I thought, you know, for a while, it's like, no, we do want to teach about contraception. We do yeah. want to teach about safe sex. So like, what was kind of like your internal feelings with that? Truthfully, I did not like it, yeah. uh, me personally. Um, and I taught that class for seven years. Mm. Um, it changed into parenting and child development. And, mm. and that was the class that we sent the robo babies home in. Oh, yeah. um, again, the neighborhood that I was teaching in, it, it was high needs. Um, mm-hmm. One year I had 14 teen moms in my yeah. class and I believe nine of them were all freshmen. They came to me pregnant from mm-hmm. middle school. Oh my goodness. Um, and so, you know, sex mm-hmm. was a topic that needed to be addressed, but mm-hmm. we had that red tape from the state mm-hmm. of you know, you can only talk about abstinence. And I did push my limits. I sprinkled in my own little tidbits here and there. Like, this is what we're testing on. This is what the state says, but also let's talk about how to do it safely. And, and I mean, you know, I could have technically gotten in trouble for, for adding that, but I knew that there was a need for, for a different kind of education than just don't do it because you can tell kids to not do it how many times you want to, but that's just not the reality. They're going to do it more yeah. when you tell them yeah. not to do it. Yeah. So <laughs> I spent extra time talking about different contraceptives and I okay. did tell them, you know, nothing is a hundred percent effective right. other than abstinence. So let's just start right. with that. Right. But here are the things that are more effective than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I really tried to educate them in the different contraceptives as well as tying mm-hmm. it all back into the abstinence. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I could, I teeter tottered the line heavily. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an important point, Casey, because as teachers, you, you have a lot of cognitive dissonance because you might be told this is what the, is in the curriculum from the state. Mm-hmm. And, you know, tax money is going into paying for schools and curriculum. So there's all this like sense of responsibility of like, I have to follow it. Even if I know in my heart that like, it's not the right way to teach something or not the full picture. Mm -hmm. And then you want to do what's truthful because I think a lot of teachers go into this field because they want to teach truth. They want to enlighten young people. They want to set up young people to be successful young adults and be good community members 
part of that is also like, you know, teaching truth and teaching how to like have safe sex, right? Like we're humans. It's part of our human nature. Like they're going to do it. So it's really hard. I know there's like, and we'll get to this uh, later in your story about, you know, why you left uh, teaching, but I think there's a lot of reasons, but there's another layer of teachers might be leaving because they might be in certain schools or certain places where they're being dictated what to teach Mm -hmm. or what they have to take out. And they know that that's not okay. Like it's, it's, it's not giving the full story and it doesn't sit right with them. Like I know in some places where, you know, maybe they're not teaching the full American history story, right. Or they're not teaching about different gender identities. If I was in a particular place like that, for me, I would have a difficult time, you know, like I would have a lot of like this dissonance of like, "Mm," but you know, that's not the full picture. And I teach psychology and it's like right there in the curriculum, all that stuff. Like I don't do sex ed, but we talk about sexuality. We talk about sexual motivation, you know, as part of our psychology. And I have a group of AP psych teachers on Facebook in some parts of the country. They're like, I can't teach some of this curriculum and it's AP curriculum. It's going to be on the test. And that's just hard to do as a teacher, you know? Yeah, it is. And And it's hard to do as you're told when what you're being told is not what's best for the kids that you're teaching. Um, And I'm not saying that it wouldn't be best for all kids, just the kids I was teaching in my classroom. That was not the curriculum that was best suited for my clientele. Mm -hmm. Um, And just navigating through that was difficult. And like you said, you know, there's different standards and we teach to the standards and I was a state tested subject Mm -hmm. and, um, the curriculum, the, the little piece on contraceptives that was not heavily weighted. So that was not something that Mm -hmm. we had time to spend a whole week on, you know, Mm -hmm. it was planned out to just briefly touch over it and say, okay, guys, here it is. Don't do it. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. And, but I have 14 kids with babies. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. do I really want to mm-hmm. skirt past this? Like the state says I should, or mm-hmm. do we need to spend some time talking about this? Yeah. Because these are the kids in my room. Yeah. Um, and so just making those decisions. Mm-hmm. And kind of leading into our next part, we'll talk about like the pandemic, but kind of that stage, because you were coming out of teaching during this time of the pandemic when teachers feel like they don't have any voice and that's kind of the reason I wanted to start this podcast is like we know what these kids need and like it might be for this demographic and I really don't have any voice even though I use it because when we talked before you have raised your voice in schools you have been a leader in schools like when I mentioned like I want to empower teachers to go to their school board go to their directors and principals and superintendents if possible and like share their concerns you know, and you did all of that. And it still was like, no one was trying to even give any attention to it. So moving into our next part, like the pandemic itself, you know, as a teacher challenges, aha moments or any takeaways, but then how it kind of maybe led to this uh, transitioning out of the classroom. Um, I think the pandemic itself highlighted the cracks in the system. Um, It highlighted what was broken, Um, you know, in education, in society, and in individual humans, Mm. uh, because we were all left to kind of go inward, go into our homes and fend for ourselves for a little bit. 
and not really get any kind of interaction, community interaction. And so that's, mm. that's what was highlighted were, were the pains. Mm. Uh, people were so angry because they were in pain about different things, um, different decisions being made. And the pandemic early on, right, right at the beginning of 2020, what it did was it took away the goodness of what we had in education from my perspective. You know, the reason I stayed for 10 years was because of the classroom, what I got to do in my four walls. It wasn't all the bureaucracy. It wasn't the politics. It wasn't because the different workings of a school system, you know, all the reasons that people complain. We know that stuff. The reason why teachers stay is is because what happens in their four walls with their kids in their classroom Mm -hmm. and the pandemic took that away from us. Yeah. And so then we were really left to view, okay, well, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. We don't have the good part right now. What can we focus on? What kind of difference can we still make? I had, there was one kid. I taught one student from March until May because nobody else showed up. Wow. <laughs> on zoom yeah. and so you know I I, ta- yeah. I taught that kid <laughs> yeah I did my best with my one um mm. while trying to reach out to my others but that wow. was just it was difficult um mm-hmm. remembering my why and staying focused on why I want to stay in this profession mm-hmm. um when that was taken away from it and so mm-hmm. then jump to August August mm-hmm. of 2020 my district we went back in person mm-hmm. um and we did A day, B day for a little while. So half the kids came on one day, half the kids came on another. Mm-hmm. And even then, you know, all the districts surrounding us were not in person. And so there was lots of, uh, lots of angst um, mm-hmm. in the atmosphere. When one person would get sick, everybody would, okay, yeah. where, what room were they in? Because mm-hmm. also teacher shortage, teachers are covering classes. There's no mm-hmm. substitutes. And so we're the ones in it. Mm -hmm. and and there was so much fear riddled Mm -hmm. in the building during that time I was teacher of the year um, this year and so I was teacher of the year 2020 to 2021 and so that year of being in the building a day b day COVID looming that was (laughs) that was the year I was I had this leadership role um and I was faculty advisor for three different student clubs. I was on Mm -hmm. quite a few different teacher leadership teams in the building. And so Mm -hmm. I had my hand in a lot of different things and my voice Mm -hmm. was being used. Mm -hmm. I was saying, Hey, that's not working. Hey, we're not serving this population. I was advocating for the kids. I was advocating for the teachers. Um, and, and I was burning at both ends. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I did everything in my power. I went to the school board when I saw that things at the building level were not meeting our needs. And I, I mean, if there's one thing about me, I'm, I'm going to say what I need to say. And yeah. I, I did that. And I, I did it fiercely mm-hmm. for that whole school year. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the school year, 2021, I was just a pile of nothingness. Mm-hmm because I had given it all that whole year. Um, and, and I was so burned out. I knew this is not sustainable. It's not Mm -hmm. sustainable for me. And so I had to make a decision, you know, do I want to stay in this school? I I loved the school I was at. I love love Mm -hmm. kids. I love the staff. Um, I love the community, but I 
was different personally and I didn't like who I was. Mm -hmm. And so I needed a change. And that change was either leave education fully or try it out at a different school. A veteran teacher said, Casey, you know, you're too good at this. Don't leave. Mm -hmm. Try out at at a different school. So I did. Mm -hmm. And I went to a different school and I stayed there for one year. A lot of the same things <laughs> happened yeah, at, yeah. at the second school. Leadership was very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, district politics, very mm-hmm. similar. Mm-hmm. And, and so that year, this past school year, was when I began creating my exit plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I knew that my exit plan would be moving into a role of support for my community. Mm-hmm. Because through all of that, through COVID and, and school and I had my own chronic illnesses I was managing. Mm -hmm. There was a lack of support across the board. And so that was my goal. How can I move in? How can I still feel fulfilled like I do in the classroom? Yeah. How do I still, how can I still know that I have a purpose in other people's lives, Mm. but not in this way? And so I found coaching. Um, I worked with a life coach and it was transformative for me mm-hmm. and working with her really helped me navigate my last year in the classroom in a way where I wasn't burning at both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was able to take care of myself and others with boundaries in place. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what I moved into. And now I coach women on how to take care of themselves. And, and I have this belief system that my whole business is, it's very naturalistic mm-hmm. in its essence. Um, and I talk about finding the root cause of, of why we struggle with different things that we struggle with and talking about the kids and through my 10 years, every year, even before COVID every year, the kids were coming to me with more mental health struggles, mm-hmm. more anxiety, more depression, more OCD, more ADHD yeah. every year, every year there was more of it. And I began teaching a counseling and mental health class. Mm -hmm. Um, I was on a team called MTSS, where we focused a lot on social and emotional learning, even shared that with the whole school. Mm -hmm. You know, I was doing these things to address the mental health needs of my students, but each year it was just worse. And then Mm -hmm. the past school year, I knew I want to help, but how? Mm -hmm. And so tying back into the naturalistic, since I wanted to get to the root. And I know when a flower does not bloom, we don't look at that flower and say, Hey, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We address the soil. We are curious. Okay. Maybe it wasn't getting enough sun. Did you forget to water it? And, and so we, we assess the environment in which it grows. Mm -hmm. And I like to think about kids in that same way. If we have a kid that is not thriving, it's not the kid's fault. Right. Right. You know, we could try to polish that child as much as we want to. But at the end of the day, if the environment in which that child is growing is not sustainable, if it's not suitable for the the child, Mm -hmm. they're not going to be successful. And so now my role is working with both parents and educators who Mm -hmm. who are burnt out. And and I'm working with them, not from a sense of you're not doing enough. I know they're not receiving the support that they need. Mm -hmm. And so I want to move in as a system of support for the environment in which a child grows. Mm -hmm. And I want to support that environment because when that environment is supported, the environment will thrive, the parents, the teachers will thrive, and then that child will be so much more successful. 
Yeah, thank you. A couple of uh, things I want to hit on. Um, teacher of the year, right? <laughs> All these roles in a school, you have your place, right? Like you're a leader in the school. When you have, and I'm not saying you have to do that to gain respect as a teacher and should, you know, be listened to by the administration, but you had this title and this role and you still felt like you were not fully um, being respected, right? I mean, that is that is a huge problem in the system. And I've heard that from many other teachers um, across the country and just people I've talked to and interviewed um, that they, they're usually the best educators and they're the ones leading in the school and they see the real issues and they want to bring up these concerns and they feel like they're just like, no, we're not going to listen to you. So it's like, you have to step out of that and then see how you can then make an impact in the community. So I had another teacher who transitioned out and they went into um, like DEI consulting, but wanting to work at really looking at how to infuse it properly in the workplace, but then also go back to the schools. There are good educators leaving and they're going into other work that is still transforming the community around them. And by doing like the work you're doing, especially if you're working with educators, it is helping that soil, right? It is helping to water those plants. And I actually used that analogy recently in a post on LinkedIn about, you know, um, we need to water our plants, like our children, right? We need resources. And a lot of teachers feel like their hands are tied because the resources aren't, aren't there and they're spending their own money on things yeah. in school. I just was looking at um, a teacher saying, because the school year is starting or has started already, that they're starting the school year and there's like no textbooks, like the ones they need for the classroom yet. It's like, well, what are we going to start with? Or there was like no paper for like the printer. I'm like, how do you, where is this tax money going? Like, how are you going to run a school without minimal supplies, you know? And it's not happening everywhere, but it is happening in a lot of schools and particularly like schools, like maybe the ones that you worked at, which is another frustration of mine is that these are, it's a public school system. It is a social program and it is vastly different from city to city and state to state. You know, I'm right outside of Philadelphia. There's schools that still don't have air conditioning and like kids can't go to school when, you know, obviously it's too like hot, like in May even, or Mm -hmm. June or even September when they're going back. Um, Or just like really, you know, old buildings falling apart. I'm like, but then you can go to some schools like I'm in New Jersey that are more affluent areas that have like everything you need and more. It's just not right at all. Um, So I mean, I applaud you for speaking your mind in a school, but then realizing like it is failing you and it's failing the kids and you need to leave to go and do something else to benefit that community. I mean, there's a lot of integrity in that. And this is another story I like sharing because we've talked about this. The news is just going to highlight all these teachers leaving Mm -hmm. and they're not going to know the reasons. They're not going to know all these different you know, holes in the system necessarily just be like, oh, it's just a teacher shortage. And there's been another um, kind of spin on that language of like, no, there's not really a teacher shortage. These are teachers. You will always be a teacher, by the way. You will always be a teacher. And you're a teacher as a a coach. The problem is 
the system, right, is broken and it's pushing these teachers out. They're there. They just can't work in the system. And in some, some of these schools, if they are just like, it's falling apart, what do you want me to do about it? Like, I got to go and leave and do something, um, not just like go into corporate, but I got to do something to help in another yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we're faced with that. It's falling apart. It's like, do I go down with this shit? Because the building's yeah. going to fall down either on me or while I'm out of it. Yeah. And, and we have to make the best decision for ourselves. Yeah. And it was, oh my God, the most difficult decision I've ever made because I loved being yeah. in the classroom. Yeah. But I wasn't going down with the shit. No, absolutely. And that is so important. And you already were going through your own health issues. And you said ever since you left, you've been able to heal from those <laughs> chronic yes. illnesses that you had. You had many, right? Yes. Um, so yeah. a number of them, four are actually in remission. That's amazing. I am um, wow. on this holistic path of healing my own body. Um, from the years of 2015 to 2022, I was getting a new diagnosis a year. Oh my goodness. And I just, I'm, I was so young. I was like, yeah, well, this is, this is not how it's supposed to be. Um, a part of it was lifestyle. A part of it was the choices that I was making. A part of it was being riddled with stress. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and the stress that was coming from being an educator and, and even the schedule, uh, this past school year, the schedule was so rigid. I was waking up at four 30. Um, I was mm. interacting with kids at six 30. <laughs> wow. And that's too early. Oh my God. <laughs> it was so, so they're at school at six 30. Yeah. They're walking in the door. Um, and you know, kids walk in the door with all their problems and, mm -hmm. and me, I have a heart for them and relationships yeah. are, are of top priority. And so the kids are coming to me at six 30 in the morning with, mm. with all their, all their funk. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want to be there for them. And so I, my body in order to really heal in the way I, I knew was possible, I needed a different schedule. Yeah. Um, I needed more flexibility mm -hmm. in my schedule. I needed to be able to wake up and mm -hmm. eat breakfast and move my body and just go back to the basics of, of that physical care. Mm -hmm. Um, because my body was screaming at me. Mm -hmm. Um, for help, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. four of my chronic diagnoses are in, are in remission. That's amazing. Um, and so one of my, <laughs> thank you. One of my yeah. biggest things that I share with my clients and anybody that'll listen is that healing is possible and mm -hmm. we have the power to heal our own bodies. Um, it just takes a little bit of work and restructuring our habits. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing to highlight because again, schools being so different across the country is that start time is insane. And there's a lot of research about how schools need to start later, especially, I mean, not for educators, but for these teenagers, it's not developmentally appropriate to be yeah. up that early. They can't learn anything. Yeah. Like we're having a later start in our school schedule this year. So we're starting at 830, which is going to be phenomenal. And we don't have to be there till 745. So I feel like, okay, there's reasonable, you know, but I've, I have worked in some schools and when I was in public school where I was there at like 645 in the morning, cause school starting at seven o'clock, you know, or kids yeah. would be coming in at seven, it would start at 715. And I'm like, 
and I had an hour commute. So I same thing, like I'm getting up at like 4.30, 4.45 in the morning. Um, it's not sustainable long-term. Yeah. You know, when you're like a very young teacher, you could do it maybe for a couple of years, but like long-term, it's not sustainable at all. And you had to take care of yourself. You had, your body was breaking down, you know, and you can heal yourself holistically, not to take anything away from treatment and medicines, but like a lot of ways that you can get back to like healing yourself is just sleep, right? Having time to exercise, eating at an appropriate time and eating like a nutritious meal, which is also hard to do if you're on the go. Cause like, all right, let me grab this like bar, this snack, um, bag of chips, whatever. And then having just peace and time in your day to like maybe meditate or do some like gentle yoga or just like pause for maybe, you know, 20 minutes. And it's like also an American culture thing that we just don't do that. We just don't take care of our bodies. And then that in turn affects our mental health. It's all connected, you know, it needs to be a priority. So the work you're doing, you were talking about this before is not only helping like all different kinds of, you know, people from different professions, but you, you do work with educators as well. Yes. Yeah. Um, Do you want to explain a little bit about the work that you've done with them? Yes. So I first noting that there is this um, surge of teachers leaving. I feel like there's, there's a couple different viewpoints on it. I feel like there's teachers who have left and they're like, yeah, let's rally and all teachers leave. Um, (laughs) Just let the whole system crash. Yeah. And and that's not where I'm at. Um, I, I left because I needed to, that was what was best for me. And there are still so many educators. I mean, my best friends are teachers. Um, Mm -hmm. I now want to support the people that are still in the system so that, you know, the system doesn't completely fall apart because the kids need to go to school. Um, I just cannot personally be in the building and with that schedule, but Mm -hmm. I want to be able to support people in that way. And so Mm -hmm. I have, um, I have two separate clients right now, one who is a teacher and wants to remain a teacher, one who is a teacher and and is pursuing other careers. Mm -hmm. Um, I do my best to support both of them and give them full freedom in creating their own goals and just, Mm -hmm. and just aid them in that. So my coaching structure is within alignment of the seasons. I've talked about my naturalistic view. Um, we begin with spring because spring is when you plant seeds. Spring is when you begin new habits. Uh, if you want to create new personal habits or new professional habits, we do that in our spring session. Mm. Um, that is the first week that we work together. The next week is summer. And in the summer, you know, this is flexing in your vitality. Um, this is when mother nature is fertile and, mm. and there's baby birds and baby rabbits <laughs> and, and all of the beautiful flowers summer is about being seen. Um, mm-hmm. And so I encourage my clients to schedule their um, social events, work events, anything where they may need to be talking or be seen. Mm-hmm. It's going to be in the summer. Um, and then fall, we know that the leaves are shedding and this mm-hmm. is a time to begin to wind down, um, move inward. What leaves do you need to shed? what did not work out in spring and summer for you? Okay, let's Mm -hmm. address that. Let's Mm -hmm. keep what worked and let go of what did not. A lot of my clients are, are letting go of shame and guilt Mm -hmm. um, and shitty boundaries. Mm -hmm. You know, I think teachers Mm -hmm. really struggle with the boundaries because our heart's in it Mm -hmm. and we don't want to say no to our administrators or the kids. 
Um, and so learning how to say no and learning how to protect yourself fiercely and in a sacred way, mm. uh, but releasing those parts of you and the habits that don't really serve. Mm-hmm. And then winter is the time to, to rest and to integrate, integrate what's, what you learned um, and allow the decay to take place when the leaves fall off the trees. Mm-hmm. Uh, in mother nature, they then decompose into the earth and nourish the soil so that the trees can bloom back um, in the spring. And, and we go through this physically mm-hmm. and energetically as humans. And so that's, that's the structure of my, of my coaching business. We move mm-hmm. through the seasons just like mother nature does. And just getting back into alignment, we talked about my holistic views and back to the basics, sleep, sun, mm-hmm. water, resetting your circadian rhythm mm-hmm. will work wonders for whatever ailments you have in your body, waking up with the sun and going to bed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I just, I truly feel like this whole hustle culture that America has is, is harming us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I encourage my clients to live within alignment of the, of the seasons mm-hmm. um, and they're seeing great success and I've seen great success. That's wonderful. Yeah. And I, I love that whole natural approach of like looking at the seasons. Cause as you were describing it, I'm like, literally like I can visualize like from spring to right now and then going into the fall. And I think kind of like the idea of starting school. So at least for like the educators you work with that are staying in the, in the profession. And I want to just plug you, Casey, if you want to reach out to her, I'm going to put her information in the show notes, but teachers or non-teachers, like having a coach, a life coach and someone who really will be there to have your back is so important. It's just like, if you need a time in your life where you need to go to therapy or if you need support, there's support there. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to have all the weight of the world on your shoulders and feel like you have to figure it all out because you can't, you just can't part of being, you know, in any profession, part of just taking care of yourself is being vulnerable and saying like, I, I need guidance. I need help right now. And I was just thinking of like the fall when you were explaining that it's like, it's a new year. So like, I'm really excited for this new school year. I'm in a very like different situation where we have the new schedule. We have a new department chair. We have a lot of newness. And the idea is like, you know, what has happened the last couple of years, put that away. We're starting again. It's kind of this fall of like, let's kind of see where this new emergence is going and then just see where it goes from there. And I think when you work with educators staying in, it's a good mindset to have. Mm -hmm. It's very easy to hold on to the hurt and to hold on to the pain that maybe some of them have gone through over the last couple of years. And if they're staying in it, whether financially they need to, or they're like, I just want to give this another shot, or I want to just see where it goes now that we're kind of moving out of COVID protocol they need to have that mindset. Like it's really important to reset and mm-hmm. say, let's try to, you know, see where this new year will go. Right. And not be, you're not being overly optimistic. Like everything's going to be great rainbows and sunshine all the time. Like when there's issues and if you're able to use your voice and see where it goes. And if you're in a situation like you were in and no one's taking care of you or no one's listening to you, you got to make that life decision. Everyone's got to take care of themselves. And, you know, this gets said a lot, like you don't take care of you. If you don't give yourself self-love, then you can't really give to anybody else. Yeah. You can't do it. So having someone like you, like a coach, you know, 
is really, really important for people to see like that is, that is like a really important thing to do. You're investing in yourself when you do that, you know? Yeah. It, thank you for that, Jackie. Yeah. Um, it is, it's an, it's an investment in, in you, um, how you show up for yourself, for your family and, and in your career. Um, thank you for plugging yeah. my services. Absolutely. I, I want to just add that any educators that are here with us today, listening, um, I'm offering 25% off to, oh, wonderful. to your audience, Jackie. So Great. anybody that found me here, just shoot me a message and email. Um, my contact information will be in the call notes and just let me know. Yep. You heard me on um, the teacher story. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put all of that in the show notes and you can just reference me. And that's great that you're offering that discount. I also want to touch on something you said, um, the releasing what the pain of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, There is this, I I call it the badge of burnout that Mm -hmm. there's that some teachers walk around with. Like, mm-hmm. like they get extra points for being the most miserable. Um, and, and that's, that's yes. just, that's, that does happen. Silly. Um, yeah, it is silly. Yeah. Because that's not how it, how it is. Yeah. Uh, you don't get extra points for being the most miserable person in the building. Um, and those people his, that I have worked with, they are also the most brilliant. They have the most experience. Um, yeah. They yeah. have the most value but then they just carry it around as a burden um, instead of as brilliance. And, and, you know, thinking about fall release, what does hold on to what does and release what Mm -hmm. does not Mm -hmm. hold on to what you learned from your experience and release the pain of it. Because when you carry that pain, that does not serve you and it doesn't Mm -hmm. serve anyone around you. Um, And there's such a freedom. Mm-hmm. There is such a freedom in being able to move on neutral because a lot of mm-hmm. people are like, oh, so you want me to just be positive? Da, 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 da. Always. No, be, no. Nu- yeah. be neutral. Yeah. Just be neutral to it. Yeah. You don't have to walk into a situation and call it beautiful when it's actually pretty crappy. Yeah. But you can walk in and note it for what it is mm-hmm. and you don't have to talk down on it. And you don't mm-hmm. you also don't have to raise it up. Mm-hmm. Be neutral. Have a mm-hmm. neutral viewpoint on Mm -hmm. the school year if having Mm -hmm. a a positive viewpoint feels foreign to you don't do Mm -hmm. that just try to be neutral about it yeah um same towards administration colleagues parents i mean anything that we know teachers are in the workroom complaining about let's just try to be neutral about it yeah and in my first year of teaching, my mentor told me to stay out of the workroom. <laughs> yes, I've heard that. <laughs> Only go in to heat your food up, girl. <laughs> and and so I, didn't, I didn't know why she told me that yeah. um, my first year because I was first yeah. year teacher. And now after after 10 years, I get it because the workroom is where people like to sit and complain. And that's just not my vibe. I mean, yeah. I like I said, I, if I've got something to say, I'll say it but I'm not going to waste time talking to somebody and just complaining about it. I'm going to go to the person that's in mm-hmm. charge. How do we, mm-hmm. so, how do we solve mm-hmm. this problem? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't, I'm not into the being miserable for the sake of being miserable. Mm-hmm. I, I like to, to do something about it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. to me, I, I sought out a life coach because I was miserable. Mm-hmm. And since I don't, I don't enjoy that. <laughs> 
wanted to change change it. (laughs) Right. And, and I was able to, and I was able to, in such a transformative way that I knew that I would be able to share these gifts with others. Mm, That's so important. That is so true. And I'm sure it doesn't just happen in schools. It happens in a lot of workplaces, (laughs) but there is, and I've been there too. I've been the workroom person, right? We've all been there where mm-hmm. we're like, okay, I'm getting all like into this kind of cycle of, you know, let's just complain about things. Yeah. Um, but it is good to kind of like stop yourself. Like, again, we're humans. We might do that and get frustrated and we want to lean on our colleagues and that might feel good in a supportive way. And it's good to have a vent session when you need to have a vent session, but you also need to just stop yourself and be like, okay, I'm going to move on now. Mm-hmm. If there's something I can do about it, I will try to raise my voice and, and share concerns. Um, if it's something I really know I don't have a lot of, you know, say in, or maybe I have tried to raise my voice and nothing happens. And again, you can evaluate the school year as you go through it, but it's like, I'm just going to concentrate on my four walls, like on my class. And I just love being, and it took me a while to get to this point, but like when I am super present in school, like whatever happened yesterday, because when I was a young teacher, I would hold on to like that crappy lesson right? right, or something that went on with like the students, like, you know, classroom management. But it's like when you can be completely present in the classroom and just give your full energy to those kids and you can like vibe with them and be kind of in this like state of flow, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for those who are still in it, who want to stay in it, you know, for a while, or maybe they're just testing to see how the school year is, but they are, maybe they're not in an environment that's really supportive. Focus on the present and focus on what you're doing, like in the classroom with those kids yeah. and you will have moments of joy. You're, you're going to have moments of frustration, but you're going to have moments of joy. And then you evaluate, right? Like as you go through the school year, you evaluate kind of long-term, is this something what that I can stay in. Maybe it is going to another school. Maybe I can try. And you did that. And it was like, it was the same, but maybe it is that, or maybe it's like, maybe I start to work with a coach and think about other possibilities. Everyone's got to just evaluate their own life and what's going on. But when you're in something and you're in it for, you know, nine months, some teachers have left, you know, halfway through the year, but you're going to burn yourself out completely and be miserable if you're just like thinking about all the problems all the time. Right. And that's, that's the space that I was in that year. Yeah. Teacher of the year at all the leadership teams and all of that. I had my hands in too much and I knew too much. And that was the thing. I Mm. I knew too much about the building. Um, Mm. And some people, they like that. And, you know, I I thought I would, (laughs) I thought I would like knowing everything. Nope. No. <laughs> it stressed me out. Um, yeah. And so this, my last school year, I, I was not on any committees. I was not on any teams. I didn't do any clubs. I was a classroom teacher and it was fantastic. Mm. I focused on my four walls and focused on the kids in my room. And every day was purposeful. Every single mm. day we did something and that was magnificent. Mm. Um, and it was just such a good feeling to know that, you know, there is still a really great teacher that lives in here. I was just mm-hmm. really bogged down yeah. by all the outside noise. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you'll always be an educator. And <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for this conversation today and sharing 
so many different parts of your story that were really like honest and vulnerable. And I think you are just a really strong person, you know, and you are a giving person. And this is a story of a transitioning teacher of hear what you went through, right? Hear how you want to give back. That is important, not just what is the headline in the newspaper, right? right? So thank you so much, Casey. Thank you, Jackie, for this opportunity. I appreciate you having me today. It's been fabulous. It's been great. And we'll definitely stay in touch. I've loved connecting with you. Yes, please do. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. You as well. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.